0: it's tuesday october 5th i'm oscar ramirez in los angeles and this is the daily dive huge environmental disaster off the coast of california as we saw a leak from a pipeline connected to an oil company called amplify energy at least 126,000 gallons of crude oil spilled into the sea with tar balls washing up on shore and impacting wildlife the initial impact was in huntington beach but the oil is moving south, affecting more areas of the coastline. The leak is believed to be stopped now, and the cause is still unknown, whether the structural integrity of the pipe was compromised or if a ship anchor struck the pipe. Steve Gregory, reporter for KFI News in Los Angeles and Orange County, joins us for what to know. Next, Netflix's new show Squid Game is a hit and poised to become their most watched show ever. There are many reasons why it's hitting at this moment, one of them being social media. On TikTok, the hashtag Squid Game has been viewed more than 22 billion times, and it's perfect meme fodder. While the show was not heavily marketed in the U.S., it is a unique property, and Korean entertainment is currently huge in the States. Callan Rosenblatt, youth and internet culture reporter at NBC News, joined us for why Squid Game has taken off. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: We know that there is Oil ranging from Huntington Beach and now we know as far down as Laguna uh, and and likely moving, continuing to move in a southerly direction based on the wind and the
0: weather and the currents. Joining us now is Steve Gregory, reporter for KFI News in Los Angeles and Orange County. Thanks for joining us, Steve. My pleasure. Well, we have a massive oil spill off the coast of California, an environmental disaster. And with all of these things, it always takes time to see what the long lasting effects will be. We'll be dealing with this for quite some time. Um, let's start off with a little bit of a timeline on what happened. This is an oil leak linked to a complex for this uh, as a company that owns this um, this oil rig. It's called Amplify Energy. Uh, They have a record of some federal noncompliance incidents and other violations, but we have a leak that started, uh, uh, was reported on Saturday morning this past weekend. Some people say they might've smelled oil on Friday, Um, Let's get a quick timeline of what happened with this whole thing.
2: Well, according to Amplify Energy and its CEO, they were not made aware of any leak until Saturday. But local officials are saying that they got information as early as Friday night that there had been something and it wasn't an odor. It was actually sheen on the water that mariners had noticed coming into shore. So there is confusion and already conflict. Uh, A lot of finger pointing going on as to when exactly... The oil company was made aware. And when did the oil company make the public aware? So that's already starting out to be quite a controversy. The oil company now estimates 127,000 gallons may have spewed out of some sort of a break in that pipeline. But what they have to determine now is how the break happened. Was it as a result of faulty, uh, faulty materials, an infrastructure failure? And now the company is suggesting that perhaps a ship's anchor may have hit it and knocked a hole into it. Wow.
0: Well, you know, with all these things, these uh, pipelines, these rigs that are out there, I mean, they're tens of years old, 40 years old, I think some of these pipelines are. uh, And, you know, they're bound to get rusty, break. Obviously, if it's something where an anchor is hitting it, yeah, it's going to burst right away. But, you know, that's kind of one of these things that have always been an issue, especially off the California coastline.
2: Yeah, offshore drilling here in California is a big industry. But those rigs date back to the 60s. And a lot of those rigs, uh, going back to 2018, the last large report, I recall, there had been more than 400 incidents of failures. Uh, and either on inspections, structural failures, uh, caps uh, that are supposed to be keeping all the oil in, leaking, uh, corrosion, all kinds of things. More than 400 incidences of that. So there, there is a big issue. And I know the state of California is looking into it.
0: Do we know if the leak has officially stopped? Because I know they were still, uh, as late as Sunday, saying they think they got it to stop. Is it officially done
2: right As now? of right now, there is no indication it is fully contained.
0: So there's possibility that more is still leaking. And so, now
2: it's moving further south.
0: Right. So th- that's my next question. Let's get into... The locality of this, most of this is centered in Huntington Beach, California, but as you mentioned, it's moving south. It's affecting other beaches along the coastline now.
2: Right. The pipeline is centered off of the coast of Huntington Beach, and and it is attached to one of the oil rigs. But the actual uh, visual of the oil slick itself was noticed in um, New- Newport Beach. And then today, they're starting to find what they call tar balls and tar patties down as far south as Laguna Beach. So now it's starting to have an impact all the way down the coast.
0: What are we seeing as far as cleanup efforts? You know, I mentioned at the beginning, this stuff takes so much time. It's kind of already too late in a lot of senses. The water is just going to absorb a lot of the stuff. A lot of the oil makes its way to the sand. And, you know, you, you know, people that live in California kind of know that sometimes you walk in on the sand, you end up a, with a black spot on your foot later. You know, it's a little tarball that happens. So, uh, you know, what are we looking at as far as cleanup effort?
2: Well, I think there's some confusion, too. And I don't think people understand it. There is natural oil seepage from the, from the bottom of the ocean. That is just a natural occurrence. So there's always going to be oil discharge coming from within the bottom of the ocean. This particular massive spill is going to have lasting effects, as you mentioned earlier. But the problem now is they can't corral all of that. And they're trying by you know physical means. They surround it with some uh, floating devices that absorb it, and then they can collect it and suck it up into a boat. Uh, Then onshore, they're obviously physically working to retrieve any birds, ducks, uh, any other waterfowl, and try to also build berms and sort of um, retention areas so that it doesn't go into marshland, protected wetlands. Uh, So it's a massive effort. But this is something the Coast Guard is certainly used to deploying, and and they're certainly used to activating that kind of a plan. They rehearse all the time for it. So they were able to get on this pretty quickly, but it's still going to be lasting, lasting, lasting effects.
0: And we've already seen effect on wildlife birds. Yeah. I know birds is you know huge habitat all through there, but you know the long-lasting effects will be yet to seen, but uh, yet to be seen. But yeah, it's already affecting that's that part of it.
2: Yeah, they've already had to euthanize at least one bird because it just got was so caked in oil and had just been overwhelmed. They've uh, they've already gotten some other birds too that had broken wings. Um, other problems. So they are working very hard. It's the fish and game department of the state of California that's on that.
0: We've talked a little bit about the location along the coast, but let's talk about the location as far as where the rig is located, because this is on federal lands. It's uh, I guess a little more than eight miles out or so. How does that figure into all of this?
2: Well, yeah, even though they are in international waters, uh, it depends on where the structural failure or the, the break in the pipe occurred. If it happened within three miles of shore, that becomes the jurisdiction of the local authorities. In this case, it would be the Orange County District Attorney's Office. Now, it is still a federal issue and a federal response, but local authorities then would have some sort of stand in which to secure reimbursement. Uh, Civil lawsuit, I was told in the briefing, that it is now a criminal investigation. Uh, They are worried about some sort of criminality, if this could have been avoided. Also, the fact that it impacted protected species, uh, so it is a criminal investigation. It's very complicated. But the U.S. Coast Guard now is the point agency on this. And as it shakes down, then it, it when they pinpoint exactly where the leak happened and how it happened, then they'll determine jurisdiction.
0: There's already been a congressman for the area who's uh, written to President Biden to ask for a, an emergency declaration there, environmental disaster declaration, so that they can release more federal mm-hmm. funds to help with all of that. So we'll see if that gets granted. You know, we've been talking a lot about the different impacts. And, you know, whenever these types of oil spills happen, you know, we'll be looking at it for time to come until it all kind of hashes out. One of the economic impacts happened already immediately. So Huntington Beach, very popular spot. Uh, They were doing the Huntington Beach Air Show, which is an annual thing, huge uh, thing for the city, for tourism, you know, just for the residents to go out there and enjoy themselves. They had actually canceled the last day of the air show because all of this was all unfolding.
2: Right. The Pacific air show was one of the crowning achievements of that community. And it was the finale and the millions of people were expected to attend uh, roughly two little over 2 million people, uh, as you mentioned, huge impact. Now I know that uh, an orange County supervisor has already said uh, she will demand reimbursement for the potential losses that the community sustained and the organization sustained. And uh, Katrina Foley is the supervisor for that area. And she's already come out publicly denouncing the oil company and already saying she will go after them for reimbursement.
0: Yeah. The, there was a report from 2019, I guess the air show brings in about
2: $68 million
0: just in spending $3.4 million in additional tourism related rene- uh, revenue, you know, restaurants, all that stuff. So it is a big moneymaker for, for the city. And, you know, unfortunate that people planning there had to, Cancel the last part of it.
2: Well, coming Uh, off of a pandemic, when when businesses were already suffering, this was the thing that everyone was looking forward to to jumpstart the economy.
0: What do we know more about the business themselves, the 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 oil company? As I mentioned, you know there have been some non-compliance things. None of it really seems to be anything with massive leaks that they've had before or anything. Uh, Other it was seemed to be other non-compliance violations. But do we know anything more about them?
2: Not really. Uh, I mean. Every oil company has safety violations. They all, all of them have some sort of compliance issues because you think about uh, a lot of moving parts spread out over the globe. Most of these oil companies have assets everywhere and you know, you're bound to have some sort of a, an issue or a problem. It's like any other utility, if you will, power companies go through the same thing. There's no power company that's 100% in compliance. There's no utility that's hundred percent in compliance. Oil companies are the same. And if you think about them dealing in, in, you know, in the ocean and how far offshore they are and how isolated they are, they're bound to have issues happen. Now, whether or not the company knowingly violates these is another, another story. And we don't know that. And whether this is just part of the routine, uh, like a health inspection at a restaurant, you know, little tiny things pop up, but it's not necessarily going to kill people. Yeah, I mean, so not really sure if there's a comparison. There.
0: You know, to your point of how tough this is to to manage. You know, under the water and everything, the divers that they had checking out the seafloor and the pipelines—they're about eighty to hundred feet below the ocean surface. Right. So it's a an incredible undertaking. Uh, what are the next steps? I mean, there's a lot of things happening right now. What are the next steps well, for this?
2: Well, obviously the first part about this is that they want to get as much of that oil retrieved as possible. They want to yeah. clean up the water first. They want to help the wildlife. They want to make sure people are safe. Those are all the top priorities, and that is the mission right now. Secondarily, it's going to come to who's to blame and what compensation uh, people are entitled to and how are they going to make things right.
0: Well, we'll keep uh, monitoring all of this. This is one of those stories that sticks around for a long time. And You mentioned investigations, who's responsible. Uh, So this is uh, an environmental disaster for the coast of California, but a long-ranging story. Steve Gregory, reporter for KFI News in Los Angeles and Orange County. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Joining us now is Callan Rosenblatt, youth and an internet culture reporter at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Callan. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about Squid Game. It's the number one show right now on Netflix. Uh, It's going to be on track to be the biggest show they probably have ever had. It's the biggest non-English language show in the world right now. And, uh, you know, just want to start off mild spoilers, nothing really crazy that we're going to talk about. We're really just going to talk about the popularity of the show and kind of what makes it, Reach uh, that level, right? What makes it become a hit so big like that? So, uh, I'll start us off, Callum. What are we seeing with Squid Game?
1: So, with Squid Game, I mean, we see a show that appeals to a, a wide demographic, first of all. We have teens and tweens who are watching the game in Minecraft and Roblox. We have millennials and Gen Z who are memeing it online. We have Gen Xers who are started picking up on, on the, the trend and sort of hearing about how viral it is. And so we have both this uh, this intersection of both a show that is appealing to a wide audience and also the buzz online. I mean, the show was yeah. not really advertised in the United States, and yet It has become a huge word of mouth, a huge viral sensation. And as you said, one of the biggest shows possibly ever on Netflix. So what we have here is both a a viral sensation that really appeals to a a wide audience.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, it's probably not completely related to, but we're also kind of in spooky season, Halloween time. You know, it is dark, a dark show. It is gory at times. So I think it's hitting on all cylinders Uh, right now, as you've been saying. So um, before we get into kind of the makings of why it's a great show, you've alluded to all of that already. Um, What are the executives saying about it, this hit that they have on their hands right now?
1: Well, what the executives said, you know, right after the release of the show is that they are anticipating that this will be one of the biggest shows that they've ever had and that it's you know, even I believe they said it was nine days in, it was already on track to be, you know, an explosively popular show. Um, I spoke with Julia Alexander, who is um, an analyst who is also an expert on this kind of, uh, of topic. She, she's very good with streaming services and that's sort of her expertise. And she was saying that she is guessing that executives now, and this is this is her hypothesis, is that they're realizing how big uh, K-drama, so Korean dramas and K-thrillers, Korean thrillers, yeah. are going to be in the United States, and that, you know, we already see this inundation of, of K-pop, and, you know, Parasite, which is a Korean film, was one of the biggest films in the world, so she is hypothesizing that the executives are clocking this and that they're realizing that this is where the market is going, and she that we will see many, many more uh, K-dramas popping up on Netflix yeah. and other streaming services as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Korean entertainment right now is huge. And on Netflix specifically, right, um, their catalog of uh, of international shows and movies and all that is just growing really big right now. They're, you know, they they need so much content, right? They've reached out. There's a lot of, you know, things from Spain uh, all over the place. They're, they're, the international content is just growing, so... Uh, Okay, back to Squid Game a little bit. Right. So the social media part of it is huge. The hashtag Squid Game had been viewed by uh, more than twenty two point eight billion times. And, you know, it's probably growing. But, you know, uh, you talk about kind of the word of mouth and how it's getting around. You know, the show is so unique. It, 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 you know, in one way, a detriment. Right. It doesn't have a natural fan base because it hasn't popped up before. But, you know, it's such a unique thing. Right. Uh, Let's play children's games and they have deadly consequences and and, you know it's really taken people by storm on that front
1: absolutely i mean it's it's such a unique concept and i think that's part of the appeal right like it doesn't have a built-in fan base this isn't something that was adapted from something else but it's pretty rare nowadays that we see something that's a wholly unique idea and we crave that
0: new thing so that's why it's so good
1: absolutely it's it's something it's a it's definitely a show unlike anything i've ever seen before i would say even just the aesthetics of the show just visually the show is so striking so interesting and it it really is captivating it's it really is from top to bottom from the plot to the, you know, to the character development, to the, the visuals. It's so unique. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting. And it really sucks you in. I mean, it, it, it made me laugh. It made me cry. (laughs) you will, you will have a whole range of emotions watching. And I think really, you know, it doesn't need that existing fan base to, to pull people in and to see people talking about it online and talking about yeah. their experience with the show. I think
0: that is enough. There was an interesting thing, though, in the article that a lot of people were, were saying, too. These, so the accessibility of the show is great. I mean, there's dubs, there's subtitled versions of it in many languages. So, uh, you know, the accessibility to it is pretty good. But some people were saying that, you know, some of the translations might not be the best. And, and there are nuances that people are missing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's been some criticism online that the English dub, for example, is missing sort of key details that don't necessarily impact the plot, but sort of th- they are clues that you're sort of missing about character development. For example, there was a line, and I, I don't remember the exact line, where one of the characters basically says, I'm not a genius, but I can figure things out. And someone basically the translation is essentially something to the effect of I didn't go to school, but I'm very street smart. And so that sort of difference, you know, sort of changes how you perceive a character and what their backstory is. Now, I've seen other people say, you know, the translation is fine, and also when you're translating from another language, there isn't always a perfect translation. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, yeah. but it is exciting to see a show that has been dubbed in so many languages and has subtitles in so many languages when, you know, there, it does seem to be among Americans, sometimes they don't want to read subtitles, so to have the accessibility <laughs> right. I think it has actually added to the popularity, because you don't have to read subtitles in order to enjoy the show. Now, yeah. some people choose to, to enjoy it that way, too, and I think it's it's just as entertaining if you're listening to it in its original Korean and reading subtitles, but that at least gives everyone the ability to enjoy the show depending on, you know, your accessibility level and and how you want to consume it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm one of those people who like to hear it in the original language and, and read the subtitles. But I admit, you know, sometimes you don't want to read so much, Um, but you know, (laughs) it's just kind of a perfect storm for this show. And, you know, I'm happy for everybody involved. The memes are great online, tons of social media interaction uh, and it's a very good show like you said funny dark gory everything so I suggest everybody go out and check it out but it is definitely the hit going on right now Callan Rosenblatt youth and internet culture reporter at NBC News thank you very much for joining us
1: thanks for having me
0: that's it for today join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.